Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schellenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national best-selling author. He's successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world, an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger. And we have a guest today that has touched and influenced many lives for good. So welcome with me, Wendy Darling. Hi, Wendy, and it's so happy to have you with us today. Well, thank you. Nice to be here. (laughs) Well, great. Well, clients have dubbed Wendy as their personal fairy (laughs) godmother for her ability to help them turn their dreams into reality. And I'd like to tell you a little about Wendy before we get going here. Uh, She's the founder of the Miraculous Loving Institute and a recognized relationship change expert. Wendy works with singles wanting to attract lasting love and couples wanting to enrich their relationship. So this is a tremendous background. (laughs) And her workshop uh, has supports singles to finally find the love of their life and allows couples to rekindle and replenish their relationship. So something that we certainly all need. Wendy also works with executives and their teams to strengthen the relationships of their team for greater productivity and profit. She has over 30 years of experience as a business and life transformation expert, management and organizational development consultant, radio talk show personality, and keynote speaker. She is the number one best-selling author of The Miracle That Is Your Life. And she holds a bachelor's and master's of education and a specialist degree in counseling psychology and postgraduate work in management and organizational development. So what a treat to have Wendy here today. So Wendy, as we get going, you've done so many wonderful things during your lifetime. And as you reflect on your life, Tell us about your background and what were some of the key turning points? Well, as you know, the good news and the bad news is there are a lot of years behind me. And um, I've had the good fortune of having many extraordinary experiences. I would have to say that, you know, first of all, being encouraged to continue with my education was key. But I was very blessed right out of graduate school. I was hired as dean of students for a program called Semester at Sea. And I, I was um, basically the mom of 700 plus coeducational students and we sailed around the world. And I think that it changed not only my view of life in the world, but I came back with such a deep appreciation for having the opportunity to live in the United States, and quite honestly, the opportunity of living in the United States as a woman. So I was at a time in life where a lot of women were really beginning to advance in their careers. So I feel that I was one of those trailblazers, 
really looking for ways to make things work. But I always was a team player. I did a lot in leadership development, team development, helping executives and managers really cultivate the workforce so they can maximize the potential of their um, of their staff. And and yet, as I progressed in my career, there were things that were not rubbing me quite the right way. And if I would have to say the most significant turning point in my life, other than having my wonderful son, was um, I had a very serious accident about 25 years ago. I was um, I was flying from California. I'm sorry, I was flying from Texas and to California. I was on a consulting job, and I was really, really sick. And I went outside the Dallas airport and um, to get some fresh air. And I actually ended up passing out, falling over a ledge and selling, falling over 25 feet. Yo, wow. <laughs> ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was a big ouch. Um, so I had some pretty serious injuries. My right leg was shattered. Mm. My back was broken. I didn't know for well over 10 months if I was ever even going to be able to walk again. I was later diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury that took a very long time to heal. Um, my former husband ended our marriage, and there's more to the story, but as I, even in those early weeks, I took a step back going, how did I get here? What choices had I made or not made that put me in this position right now because everything that was familiar to me was gone. I was no longer a wife. Um, I'll be perfectly honest. My former husband is an attorney and he was awarded full custody of our son that was very young at that time. And I wasn't able to work. And, and I, um, I just wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I, since I couldn't do much of anything, I really did take some time to look at what was most important to me. I really started pulling out what I would call the gold in my life, things that were important to me, things that really mattered, and started to literally build my life again from the ground up. So that was the most significant turning point. And what I discovered was in my personal foundation, the qualities of who I was, I really had some shaky foundational points in my identity, my self-worth. And it was um, quite a time of allowing myself to relearn and discover who I really was, who I was created to be. And okay, yeah. All right, now let's just talk a little about that, because mm -hmm. uh, this is certainly something that we uh, hear about wherever we go. We have the chance to talk with friends and family and people we don't know who confide in us and say that they feel like they've kind of hit rock bottom yeah. uh, or things are really not going well. So what did you find helpful 
get yourself back on track, back kind of into a place that was meaningful? Gosh, I mean, there was so much. Um, Well, quite honestly, the first thing I started to do was to really take time to um, discover me. I really started to take a closer look at what my values were, what was really important. And I gave myself permission to wave my own personal magic wand, meaning if I could create anything that I wanted in my life, how would I really, really want to be living my life? I was great as an organizational consultant. I was really good at it. But at that time, I was always a little ahead of my time. Um, (laughs) I don't know that companies were as open, really, to embracing shifts or change. And I'm a results person. So it was, so for me personally, I wasn't being nourished to the extent that I wanted to be nourished. So I ended up beginning to get more into personal growth. And quite honestly, while I was recovering from my accident, I started to learn how to meditate because at that time, quieting my mind was a complete oxymoron. And I started to really get, create a more, first of all, a more intimate relationship with myself, with what would best serve me. Um, I started to receive what I use today. I, I actually have some processes and a healing gift that help people change very easily and quickly. And I was, I, so my perspective of myself, my perspective of life began to change quite dramatically. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear about those. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And, you know, I'm just reminded a little bit of uh, sometimes when we are at rock bottom, that's where we can have some of our most significant growth. We really learn about ourselves, uh, what we're capable of doing, and what we really want to do in the future. We, We also learn things we don't want to repeat, that didn't work. <laughs> right. That's right. And that's what, I, that's what I started with. I mean, I, because I can remember in those early weeks just going, what, have, what choices have I made that got me to where I am right now? And quite honestly, those became pretty clear to me fairly easily. What was more challenging, and I think sometimes is for many people, was really giving myself permission to look at, well, what, what do I really want? Right, what's possible. What w- yeah, because yeah, in my world, I believe each and every one of us was born for a special reason, a special purpose, and that's part of the reason we're alive today, and it's part of our journey is to discover what that is and cultivate it in a way that you can make your special mark, that you can make a difference in some way. And, and I think that that is key. And I think when we begin to look at life that way, from not only who am I, but how can my life be positioned in a way to make a difference really starts to have somebody look differently. 
So when I'm looking, whether I'm working with somebody who's single or married or I'm working with executives, I'm really having them dig in a very gentle way, (laughs) deeper of what would make a difference. What would make a difference for you? What will make a difference in the lives of others? And it ends up really becoming very rich conversations. Because I think a lot of times, especially in our country, in our society, a lot of people are very success-driven. And how that person defines success may be a little off in terms of what really would be most important. Now, I am the first person to admit that I like to be successful in many ways including monetarily, but it's, for me, it's not my driving force. And what I find is that's actually true for most people. I mean, there's statistics on that, that money itself is not a long-term motivator. And so we have to look further, deeper, what really matters. Okay, well, good. And I think that uh, resonates certainly with me in terms of finding out what matters most in your life. And I know our listeners around the world, they certainly want to get ahead. They want to Mm -hmm. reach their fullest potential. Uh, But often uh, finding that uh, and linking that fullest potential with what matters most in your life is what not only helps them find happiness, but ultimately uh, economic success as well. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I have found, I think life leaves clues and And it will either be things that make you the happiest. And those are pretty easy to identify. You know, the things that really make you happy, the things you enjoy, what brings you the greatest pleasure, where you feel most satisfied. But also, where you can make the greatest contribution may be where you've had the greatest heartache or struggle or misfortune because you know what it's like to be down and out. When I had my accident and pretty much had started life over in every way, that drew me more into the personal growth arena for a period of time because I wanted to figure out what had happened to me that had me make some of my choices, what was missing in my development that I had to shift, and how, can, how could I do that? And so I think it's just so important to really be looking at all of that, not just the good, but also the struggles. You know, you and I both probably know many people that really had adversity, whether it had been a health crisis or a loss or um, even a loss in business or work, but it had them change the trajectory of what they were going to do. I remember in the early 2000s, I was living in Dallas, Texas, and there had been um, a technology bust. And so there were a lot of mid-managers that had been losing their jobs, and I volunteered for an organization to help people get back to work. Um, I, I helped them rewrite their resume, helped them position themselves to get jobs, and the good news is it was a short-term pro. Program and everybody got reemployed again. But it was really critical for them to look at 
what did they want to be different this time? And in doing so, we were really able to, I was really able to help position them so that they found something else because suddenly a lot of things were gone that they had taken for granted. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that we frequently talk about in the uh, Becoming Your Best uh, Breakthrough Leadership Conferences as we talk about setbacks, we ask what the opposite of success is, and we have everybody just shout it out, and of course everybody shouts out failure. Uh, and then we point out, of course, that failure really isn't the opposite of success. It's one of the things that helps us become successful. It's really quitting is the opposite of success. And one of the mm. things you've just pointed out is that we can learn from our setbacks and even make them a strength in our life. And so we hear about this sometimes with severe traumatic accidents uh, that of individuals become quadriplegics or paraplegics and how they turned that into a strength. And they said, you know, we wouldn't wish this on anyone, but I wouldn't change it in my life because I've gained so much. It's put me in a position to help other people. And that's just what you were saying just now. The experience you had helped you become so introspective and then you learned what from what you learned, you've now been able to help other people. Well, that's, that's great. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, I remember way back then, my prayer to God at that time was, you help me dig out of this hole <laughs> and help me find faster ways for people to change. I promise to pay it forward because nobody should have to suffer to this extent. Okay, well, that's and great. Now, in my case, <laughs> my wish got granted, so that part's good. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. All right, well, let's get to uh, this issue. Uh, I have uh, certainly some friends and loved ones, people I care about, that uh, fall in this category of being single, uh, that yeah. would like to find that love of their life. So how can they do it? They've been looking, um, they're working on it. So how does someone that is single finally attract that love of their life? Well, I believe that a, a large percentage of somebody not attracting the love of their life is more of an inside job than an outside job. I have a very unique diagnostic system where I can literally pinpoint immediately core issues that are interfering from getting what you want in life. And so, for example, we all have early childhood beliefs and conditioning because when we're young, like from zero to age six, our brains are like little sponges. You know, they just absorb. And what happens is we get all these little filing cabinets <laughs> where it's like, oh, I'm not deserving, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. You know, I can make you a very long list and we're not going to do that right now, obviously. And, and so what I help people do is to find, not, not only find what's off, but I, I'm able to help them shift that. And then I have a part of my process that literally retrains the mind so that it's now working for you, not necessarily against you. Because we have a lot of conscious thoughts, but then the subconscious or unconscious programming and thoughts that you're not even aware is running the show is defeating what you really want to have happen. So if you want to know 
how well you're doing with your, the, the programming of your mind. Just look at your results. If you want a relationship, do you have it? Do you, you know, it, we're at the first of the year. How successful have you been at, at getting at an optimal weight? You know, that's a very common first of the year kind of thing. Um, and what about your career, your business? But you specifically asked about people's love lives. Yeah, now let me be specific. All right, so what do you find are the biggest obstacles that you typically see and what are some ways they can overcome those obstacles to get on track and to to do a little better in that area of finding the right person? Well, I think for the most of the people that I work with, they've already had a few relationships and disappointments. And so there's a a built-in hesitation, a a built-in protection of, I don't want to be hurt again. Um, I've, I've worked with and certainly have met people that have had those kinds of issues, whether it be a marriage that has ended, whether it has been a breakup with a boyfriend, a girlfriend. And so, again, the mind works to keep you safe. That's one of its main jobs. Well, it does other things too, obviously. So that is the number one thing. So I, so first of all, I help people wake up their desires again. You know, as I mentioned earlier, kind of that magic wand time. So I help people create (laughs) their vision for a relationship. And I take it a little bit further where I also have them create a mission. And let me explain the difference between the two. So a vision is really just that. You're painting a picture of what you want that relationship to look like and the experiences. The mission of the relationship takes it deeper. What the meaning and purpose that that relationship's gonna provide for you, not just in the relationship, but also the difference it's gonna make possibly in your health in your business, in your community, with, with family and friends. Okay. And so, and so it does get to a place of really having to believe that there is that person out there, because I do believe that to be true, and that you deserve it. Okay, that's wonderful. So in other words, you identify some of the roadblocks and then really help them re-script, retrain their mind about what they want and what they're capable of, of doing. Yeah, and then it goes further than that, okay. where I get them in more of a feeling mode of what that relationship will feel like. There are a lot of details involved because the real gold is getting the mind to support your feelings. Because when you're in your feeling mode, then you're in a position of attracting that person. Good. Can you give an example of that, uh, Wendy? Sure. Um, so, so, for example, you need to look at what you want to be experiencing when you're with that person. So I may want to feel at home and comfortable So I can sit here and say, "Mm, how does that feel to feel at home with my, my sweet man? How does it feel to engage in wonderful 
conversation that flows easily and is engaging and stimulating? How does it feel to be deeply loved and nourished and supported? How does it feel to be to be gracious and generous to my to my partner, to my mate, to know that I'm supporting them and them being all they can be. So it's not just the actions or the statements, but also I like to get people more in their bodies and feeling how it feels because if you can begin to feel it now, you will much more easily attract that person. <laughs> well, that's so good. I just love it. Yeah, it's just connecting you as a, as a whole person. Now, all right, let's switch the uh, scenario here. Uh, how about a married couple? Uh, let's say that uh, you have a couple that may be struggling, not mm-hmm. sure about whether they can really sort things out, or maybe they're just not satisfied with all that they could be. Uh, what is your advice for a couple? How do they get on track? How do they resolve, first of all, uh, challenges? where maybe they don't even want to talk with each other, and then once it gets beyond that, to improve it? Well, um, first of all, I will say that I have worked with couples that were ready to call it quits. You know, unfortunately, people don't come to people like me when everything's gold. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> you know? How true. And it's, it's a lot of times it can be that last-ditch effort. So one of the very first things that I suggest to couples that is very simple but is so helpful in really helping to create loving, that loving connection again, is to share what you appreciate about each other. So I suggest that you take time and you say at least three things what you appreciate about your partner and you tell them that and then when you got when you both finish doing that then you say and what you can what would best support me right now is because not only are you now appreciating your partner but your partner's now telling you This is what support would look like for me right now. And I think that's also important. Okay, so that's good. So you get them into this positive communication and engaging about around how they can help each other. I remember there was a time a a couple called me. One of the one of the um, one of the spouses called me and they were really in a bad space. The person was getting, the other person was getting ready to walk out the door. So the good news is they called me. We got on the phone. I basically declared temporary insanity. (laughs) And I wanted them to come back to their truth. And so I, I had them take a time out. They were to go to different areas of their home. And they were to write as many things as they possibly could think of to state what they loved about their partner, what they appreciated about their partner, what they valued about their partner. And I don't remember how long it was. We'll say after a couple of hours, they were allowed to come back together. And 
one person was to share their list, but they weren't just to read it. They were to say one thing, look in their partner's eyes and really express it. How profound. Well, how did it, they, how did they do? <laughs> extraordinarily well. It was a significant turning point in their relationship. I think what so many people forget is we all want to be seen, noticed, heard, and valued. And in doing so, that is really so critical that we just appreciate each other. It's too easy to get caught up in all the minutiae of our lives, whether, you know, you have kids at home or not, you know, you have demands at work, whatever your responsibilities are. But the truth of the matter is you've got to keep your priorities straight. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll always be able to dedicate the most important amount of time, I should say the most time, to your relationship, but you need to make it the most important time. You know, I can remember my, when my son was very young, he, he looked at me, I used to always say, you know, Adam, you're just my most favorite person in the whole world. And one day he looked at me and he was really young. I don't remember how old he was anymore, maybe five, um, maybe six. And he looked at me and he said, you know, mom, that's not really true. God's first, you're second, I'm third. (laughs) And I was like, ooh, who's the parent and who's the child right now? And, but my point is, is that yes, you need to have you time. You need to find ways to nourish and nurture yourself in whatever way that works. I, you know, for me, I have quiet time every morning. That's really important to me. I take time to meditate. I take time to journal. And then I typically will move my body in some way because I believe some kind of movement or exercise is an appreciation and an honor of the body and life I've been given. So then you do need to find ways to, to carve out that time with your partner to, because that connection so important. And whether you're a couple with, that's newly married, whether you're a couple that have been together for years of years, or you're in that middle phase where you've got a bunch of kids running around the house and it's just crazy most of the time, you still need to find a way to carve out that time. And I know that that's not easy because of all the other responsibilities, but it's so important. And you have to make dates with each other. And you make that date just like you would your best client or customer, and you keep it. And that's what keeps things nourished. A lot of couples will say, oh my gosh, we hardly have any time with the kids. Now we're trying to carve out more time. In my world, you can't afford not to. Okay. Now, on that uh, on that note, I just cannot believe how fast time has gone today. Our, <laughs> our time is up, uh, but I would like to say that uh, thank you for making that lo- last comment because at the end of the day, after everything is said and done, it's certainly our relationships, those that we, that we care most about, our family members, our friends, that mean most to us. And uh, certainly we want to have and will have success in the things we want to do professionally. But 
It's only when we think of these in balance as you've been talking about and put them at the top of the list that that'll happen. Now, how can our listeners find out more about what you're doing, Wendy? Well, it's pretty easy. Um, My website is wendydarling.com. Just as it sounds, Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y, Darling, D-A-R-L-I-N-G.com. And there's all kinds of information there. Um, They can also phone me. I always hesitate to give out phone numbers because I don't know how many people actually write these down. Um, But it's 760-231-8234. Well, and then my e- yes, go ahead. And then my email is wendy at wendydarling.com. Oh, that's great. Oh, thank you for being part of this show today. Uh, and especially for being so open, transparent about the challenges and setbacks that you've had and how you've worked through those and the wonderful contribution ideas that you're sharing with people that obviously uh, call you their fairy godmother for a reason. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Uh, I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. And remember, one person can make a difference. And you can be that person. Wishing you a great day. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were. So head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode also if you haven't done so yet please go subscribe to the podcast on itunes and leave a rating and review a rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.